0: One of the things that I like to help people do is observe their own dog and what they look like when they are worried, happy, scared, whatever. This idea of my dog doesn't listen to me. You're probably not listening to your dog. They don't speak English, but they do speak. They communicate with their body and what we call calming signals. If you observe closely, very closely your dog in certain situations, you will start to read their communication and their language.
1: Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. We're here with Helen Stevens, who is from Train Your Dog with Helen.com. She is a co-author with Pat Masidi in our book called The Power of Transformation. And Helen wants to help to train your dog by understanding why they do what they do. And this starts with you changing your thinking about your dog's behavior. So dog trainer, Helen Stevens, glad to be talking to you.
0: Hello, Robert. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome. And so dog training, what's the big deal? And if I have a dog or I get a dog, why can't I just let my dog just be themselves and do whatever they want? Why is dog training so important?
0: I actually like the idea of letting your dog be themselves. However, I think the problem is that what we ask of them is to be themselves, but in a world that isn't designed for them. So what we do is we ask a lot of our dogs, we ask another species to come and live in our homes with us, and then we wonder why they're not behaving in an acceptable manner in our homes. And I think what we fail to realize is that we need to really give them some boundaries and teach them what it is that we expect from them. And... When they don't pick up on this, we tend to get very frustrated with them and we tend to think this dog's naughty and we start to label our dog and we start to develop this mindset about our dog that they've got bad behaviour and that they're naughty and that they're stubborn and we start to put human labels on our dogs. But in actual fact, behaviour that we see from our dogs is really just them trying to communicate with us because they don't have the ability to be stubborn or vengeful or I hear people say my dog's just trying to get back at me she's cracked it she's upset with me because I didn't give her a favorite dinner tonight this sort of thing and canines don't think that way and what we're doing is we're putting human thought processes onto our canines so I want to actually help people to start thinking differently about their dog's behavior and why they do what they do and to help people understand that they are there to support their dog and to help them live in our human world and to understand their communication a lot deeper. you
1: reminded reminding me of, I saw a cartoon once where there was like set like 10,000 years ago and some wolf in the forest said, I'm cold. I wonder if that human over by that campfire over there will let me warm up with him. And then it flashes forward to 10,000 years later, and you have a little pug dog that has like (laughs) a silly like birthday sweater on. And it's like, this is what they've turned into. That's what you remind me of that dogs come from that kind of wolf ancestry. And it's like you said, they come into this world that is not necessarily designed for them. But then... There's now that what they have turned into is these these like obedient servants in a good way, loyal kind, and all those things. But then it's easy to project your own humanness on onto other onto other things, right? If a car cuts you off, you think, oh, that Prius cut me off. You don't think that person in the driver's seat. So it's easy to like project that. And so it makes sense how if your dog is acting up or not behaving in the way that you want, then you might be like applying human terms to that. And then that makes sense how that can be really frustrating. And so if someone comes to you and they say, I'm frustrated with my dog, we don't communicate and we need to, like, what's the first step? What kind of things do you ask or look at as far as getting past the frustration?
0: I guess for me, the first thing is to understand what are their pain points. So what is the thing that you want to be able to do with your dog? Is it that you want to walk nicely on leash together? Is it that you want to let your dog run on the beach and come back to you? Is it that you just want your dog to settle down inside the house? So whatever the pain point is and whatever the goal is that they want to achieve with their dog, we really need to understand what that is. And then we need to look at what is the dog doing and why are they doing what they're doing? For example, running along the beach. Of course, there are so many distractions when you let your dog off the leash. There are other dogs. There are other people. There are birds. There are possums in Australia or you guys over there might have squirrels or other things that dogs like to chase and be distracted by. So I guess we have to really understand that our dogs are bred like that. They have a predisposition to track movement of other animals. And depending on the breed, like there are certain behaviors that they do, like herding dogs naturally round up other dogs. I've observed this, so many times on the beach. And so we really need to go back to what is it that our dog is designed to do? What were they bred for? What are their behaviors that they can't help that are innate? And understand that there are some of those behaviors that we cannot change because it's part of who they are. But we need to understand how to use those behaviors and work around them and put certain things in place to work with them. So that would be my starting point.
1: I like that. That's very logical. And it gives us like a map to begin with instead of having this kind of on or off problem. Oh, my dog just doesn't cooperate. You say, hang on a second. What are your goals? Or maybe if there's a long list, like maybe start yeah. with the running on the beach or start with the house training. So figure out what the most urgent pain point is. And then and then maybe examine what are they doing, and then you can dive into why is that, why do they have that behavior? And like you said, maybe it's because of the breed that they're in. They're naturally leaning towards something. And so with all these things that could be solved with, with the dog training aspect or when people come to you and there's all these different problems, is there one in particular that you see the most often or one that is just more fun for you? to.
0: The fun one for me is being on the beach, because that's just a personal thing that I really enjoy the most. And I probably meet a lot of other people doing that, like just walking their dog on the beach. Probably though the most common thing that I see is the leash pulling. And I think people get a lovely new puppy. And of course, I'm not talking about people who rescue an adult dog, but People who get a puppy and they, it's all exciting and it's wonderful. We pop the leash on and off we go. And I think what they're doing right from the beginning is forgetting to teach the dog the way that they want them to walk nicely beside them. And they think that they don't need to do that until they're an adult. But the problem is, by the time the dog's an adult, they've already learned how to pull. And we need to give people the skills to understand how to teach a dog to walk nicely beside them on a leash. Now, of course, there are times when, you know, a dog will see another dog and they'll pull or, or whatever will happen, but it's giving people the skills to learn how to manage those situations. And the positive reinforcement training is what I use. So I'm an ethical force-free trainer. With, there's no shot colours. There's no forceful punishment types type stuff with me. It's all ethical and force-free. And I really want to teach people How to use positive reinforcement training properly. I meet people on the beach who say to me, how do I stop my dog from pulling on the leash? I show them what to do with the food. Oh no, I don't want to have to carry food for the rest of my life with my dog. I don't want to have to do that. But the thing is, if you're using the technique correctly, you actually don't need to do that forever because what I teach is how to start to remove that luring with the food. So that's a really important part of the technique is not just giving the food, but also learning how to back away from it eventually. Once the dog has learnt the behaviour, they no longer need to be continually rewarded for it. It's like something that we learn as humans. Once we've learnt how to do it, we already know and we will do that. We don't need to keep being lured to do it once we have found it rewarding enough to do on its own. Uh, it's definitely the least loose lead walking. And I think the other issue with that is that people want to, they ask, what's the best harness I can get to my dog to stop pulling? Newsflash people, there is no harness that's going to stop dog pulling. There are definitely harnesses that can be used to help you manage your dog on lead, but you still need to teach them how to loose lead walk. Simple as that. Sorry.
1: The as seen on TV item won't solve all your problems. It might no. help, it might be some new technological innovation, but at the end of the day, that won't save you. And, and that's just, I think, a good mindset in general, that, that idea of that I might have to do this extra thing now, but it won't be forever. Like I might have to carry the food now, but then if I have a plan in place and knowing that it's just temporarily, it's just to get them them used to this new habit. And then over time I can release and then eventually go to zero. And I don't I don't have to just immediately just stop the plan and just say this there's this self-defeating answer I have where like I don't want to do this extra little thing. It's okay. it's just it's part of a plan. And when these dog is dog owner a proper term, or what's the human
0: you could say dog owner, you can say handler, you can say fifth look, what do people use the term at the moment. It's dog parent that's oh that's I, I, the, I like that. Okay, yeah Okay, so there is
1: a new dog parent. And they say to you, okay, I hear you when you say that I need to get some of these behaviors set in place early on with the walking and the leash training and the rewards and things like that. What do a lot of new dog parents miss out on? Or what, what do they even just are unaware of or forget to ask about?
0: I think it's the food. I think I see so many people just struggling with their dogs on the lead. And I say, well, have you got food with you? I oh, no, not to eat that. I don't carry food with me." Or if they do carry food with them, they use dry kibble, which is their evening meal for their job. Now, whether you believe in feeding dry kibble or not, that's a whole separate conversation, but it's like me, I use this example in my program, which is if I asked you to sit in that chair over there, and if I told you that I'd give you $200 every time you sat there, what would you do? And of course, you'd sit in the chair and likely you'd sit in it again and you'd probably give it another go and another go after that. And you're going to keep collecting $200. It's very similar. But if I told you, if you sat there, I'd give you a stale piece of bread, would you sit in a chair? Quite possibly not. The analogy is in the dry old kibble. If you're just going to offer your dog this dry boring old kibble as a reward for loosely walking beside you or with you, it's not very exciting. It's not very alluring and it's definitely not rewarding. However, what I like to see people doing is actually going that extra step, making a little bit of an effort because once again, if you want to achieve something, there's a little bit of work involved. Cut up some cheese, tiny little pieces of cheese, tiny little pieces of sausage or cabana or roast chicken or whatever your dog loves. And this is coming back full conversation about understanding your dog so it's up to you to know what is your favorite, what is your dog's favorite thing? What's the thing that they would stand on their head for? If it's roast chicken, take roast chicken with you on your walk. You just need a little bag, a little pouch, put it in your pocket and start to use that yummy, yummy, high value reward for your dog. The $200 in the chair concept.
1: And it seems like just the way that you're describing this kind of mindset, it seems like it makes it more fun. It, ma- it makes it more pleasing yes, so because- Luke- Because a minute ago we were acting as the frustrated dog parent, saying, "Oh, I don't want to have to take the food with me." But when you're thinking about like the figure, getting to know your dog and getting figuring out what their favorite food is, and saying, "Oh, if they really like roast chicken, like this is going to make his or her day." This is a really nice thing to do. So it goes from being a chore to you're giving them pleasure. You're enhancing their life.
0: Exactly right. And why wouldn't you want to do that? Because any dog owner should be completely in love with their dog. That's why you have a dog, right? And if it's all too hard, then unfortunately, you're probably not going to achieve the results that you're looking for if you're not prepared to put in the work early. And of course, the earlier you do this, the more chance you have of success. You start start putting these things in place right from the beginning. When you first get your dog, even with your puppy, teaching your, your dog to watch you, rewarding them with the yummy high value treat and... Getting that connection with eye contact right from the beginning, that's something that you can do at home in your living room when you're watching TV at night. You don't have to make it a formal training session. You can actually start to get that connection happening with that watch and getting your dog to really engage with you so that when you are out on your walk whether you're off lead on the beach or on leash around the neighborhood, however you choose to walk, you can always be sure that when you ask your dog to watch you, you're going to get that eye contact. You're going to reward them for it. And then being with you and connecting with you is going to be Disneyland. That's the goal, that you are the most rewarding thing for the dog. And it will help you with all of those distracting situations that you find yourself in when there's another dog coming, and your dog just wants to say hello. They can. In my case, I have bird dogs, so they see a bird, and it's which goes are everywhere. So it's a very and yeah, these are the things that that you need to start to overcome.
1: And so th- this this eye contact concept, as a non dog person, I don't know anything about it. But the very the initial assumption I'm making about the eye contact concept is that like eye contact, like dominance. And, and you mentioned a little bit how there's somewhat of establishing that, that connection and you made it seem like it's like a part of a routine where like you make time for it every day, but that's just from what I picked up. So this whole eye contact kind of technique with the dog, can you explain it and tell us what's it about and why is it important? Eye
0: contact, it's like you and I making eye contact right now. It's because we're engaged with one another and we're having this connection because we're having a conversation and we are communicating with one another. So it's no different and it's definitely not a dominance thing at all. It's really just about you making it highly rewarding to your dog so that over and above whatever else is around them, they know that if they look to you, it's going to be rewarding for them. Very early on and right at the very beginning when you first get your dog, you should be teaching them that watching you and looking at you and making that eye contact is the best thing ever and reward it heavily. It's the same as any new thing you're teaching a your dog reward it heavily, pay with your food until it starts to become something that naturally happens for them. And once you've got that going on, then you can be sure that you're going to have a connected dog wherever you go in the world with your dog, whether it's inside, whether it's at a friend's house, whether it's on the beach, it will pay off for you because you know that your dog is always looking to you. And whatever else is going on, you can get their attention. And it's also a safety thing. Let's say you're on the beach and I don't know, let's say there's a couple of dogs that you see acting not, that you observe the body language. You're thinking, oh, this is a bit dangerous here. I don't want my dog getting into that situation. As soon as you say their name, you've got their eye contact. Once you've got that, you can ask them to do whatever it is you want. So come, put them on the lead, remove them from the situation. I think it's just so vitally important that everybody has that with their dog.
1: I, I like it. And, and you're, you're giving us this r- reminder that it's so simple that it's easy to forget of the rewarding and figure out what behavior you want to see and make it fun and exciting and a- animated for the dog and reward the behavior that you want to see. So that way you don't have these extreme situations right one end of the extreme situation is they let loose they crap on the carpet they chase the birds on the beach (laughs) you don't want that the other extreme is they're always on the leash they're always under your control but the kind of middle ground is that on the beach that they can have fun and they can do what they want and run free but then if danger is there if you're saying wait there's sounder we need to stop that then you can pull them back and then that way everybody wins right because that way right. the other dogs don't get bullied and your dog still has fun
0: that's right and there's no force involved because you've taught your dog that it's good to engage with you whenever you ask it's always going to be good they're not doing it right. it's actually rewarding for them so you've actually made something you've turned something into a really pleasurable experience for them and they're more likely to do it similar to the 200 dollars in the chair i always go back to that because it, it's the same concept. If it's really rewarding, it's likely to be repeated. That's how dogs learn.
1: And from our conversation, it seems like the learning goes both ways, right? Because you at first think, oh, here are the rules and the regulations to teach my dog. But then you yourself are figuring out how to communicate with your dog. So it's a two-way street, you get to know each other. Now you're communicating, even though you're not speaking in English, you're still figuring out that back and forth.
0: Absolutely. And I like that you bring that up, actually, because one of the things that I like to help people do is really observe their own dog and what they look like when they are worried, happy, scared, whatever. To really, this idea of my dog doesn't listen to me. You're probably not listening to your dog. And no, they don't speak English, but they do speak. They communicate with their body. And what we call calming signals. And if you observe closely, very closely, your dog in certain situations, you will start to really read their communication and their language. And you'll start to notice how they behave in certain situations. And once you're clued up with, that's really going to be a superpower that you're going to take through the journey with you. And you're going to have this fantastic relationship. I'll give you an example. I My dog was diagnosed three years ago with a life-threatening illness and Thankfully, she's fine now, but I intuitively knew that there was something not right with her just by the look in her eyes. And a lot of dog owners will attest to this. And I took her to the vet. No, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. Everything's fine. Check this, check that. Everything was fine. And lo and behold, she was bleeding internally and something had ruptured inside her. And at that moment, that happened. Nothing physical happened except the look on her face. I just knew something wasn't right. And I just feel like a situation like that is probably easily missed if you don't have that really deep connection. So, you know, it could save your dog's life.
1: I like that a lot. It, it is fun, but it's not just for fun. It's also important as far as the safety and well-being you be able to pick up on when something's wrong, when they can't say the words, but if you watch and see the movement, the behavior, then you can pick up on these things and say, time to go to the vet and, and check this out. And so you've given us so much to think about for both new and existing dog owners of all kinds. And as just someone can always say, to learn how to teach my dog, I can read a book or I can Google, but that's, it's like what we're doing here is we're on a podcast. They get a little bit of a taste, but you never get the whole entire instruction of what needs to be done because there's always... Problems that are unique to you. So, if somebody is watching or listening to this list podcast and they say, "Okay, you've given me a little bit to think about, a little bit to chew on," to use a dog pun, and they say, "I want to take this seriously, and I want to take the next step, and I want to talk to Helen directly, and I want to go to her website and fi- and figure out whatever further resources are for to further my dog training." What kind of things along these lines do you offer? Do you offer like a course, other training? One on one coaching? How can someone get uh, extra help to really take this dog training thing seriously?
0: Just go to my website, trainyourdogwithhelen.com. And I've got a program there that goes into this. I've got eight modules, and there are three bonus modules at the end. But I go into detail about what we've spoken about today with regards to how to use treats and how to train in an ethical, force free way using positive reinforcement training. We go into body language and then I do go into some lessons in relation to loose lead walking, in relation to off lead recalls. So absolutely get on it. There's a program there that you can watch at your leisure, and take your time and implement it with your dog as you go. Well,
1: fantastic. And so when someone goes and takes a course and goes through the training, if they get to the end, can they contact you further or get more one-on-one help?
0: Yeah, sure. Most definitely just reach out. I've got social media, Facebook, Instagram, and there is also an option to contact me through the website.
1: Fantastic. And so that website that we mentioned is trainyourdogwithhelen.com. Go there now because you, at the very worst case... You can pick up some interesting, fun ideas to have more fun with your dog, be less frustrated, communicate better. But even the best case, as we said with some of these stories, you might save your dog's life, give them a longer lifespan, just have a better quality of life in general for both you and your dog. So don't wait. Do it right now. Go to trainyourdogwithhelen.com. And Helen, as we're in our final one or two minutes of our conversation here, do you have anything that comes to mind to to wrap up what we're talking about, because sometimes people like to have that that parting words of advice or you might have an idea of something you wish you'd been told 10 years ago or 20 years ago about dealing with your dog and communicating and dog training. Does anything come to mind about some profound, helpful words of advice for dog parents out there?
0: Um, There is just one thing actually that we didn't touch on, which is the concept of enrichment, which allows your dog to be well-rested and allows them to be mentally stimulated. So my training program actually goes into that in a little bit more detail in relation to how you can canine welfare really by providing all of their needs, not just their walks, but their mental stimulation as well. There's lots of terrific enrichment ideas there. And I actually talk about why it's so important and what the result be if you are able to keep yourself well stimulated.
1: Fantastic. Enrichment. Because there, there are those, those problems that you're aware of, right? There's like the things where you say, here's the question I am asking, but there's some questions that you don't even know to be asking. And that's why it's so important to go to some of these resources, such as trainyourdogwithhelen.com, to even get those important answers to the questions that you don't even know to ask but Helen knows that ask them because she's seen many dog owners such as yourself. So train your dog with Helen.com. Go there. Now we will see you there. And thank you Helen for opening up and giving us some fun stories and advice about dog training. I appreciate it very much.